This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. It is the first Friday of the month, of course, which means it's non-farm payroll day. And uh, Nick, job creation in the US remains robust. And that is despite all the turmoil in the banking sector, which we'll, of course, uh, talk about shortly, as well as the impact of higher borrowing costs. So, uh, again, those figures are holding up for another month. Yeah, absolutely. And coming off of Wednesday's Federal Reserve meeting, this is especially interesting. Uh, we had, like you mentioned, we'll talk about uh, banks as we get along here. We had another, the, the PacWest situation, which we've got to dive into. But in terms of just the numbers here on Friday, we got a lot of uh, really uh, robust numbers from the U.S. We had uh, the employment change came out with 253,000 jobs compared to the roughly expected 181,000. Uh, unemployment rate dropped down to 3.4%, surprising analysts, which were sort of forecasting for 3.6%. Uh, and then the average hourly earnings ticked up to 0.5% compared to 0.3%. On top of that, we usually, uh, during this report, most of the time we get Canadian jobs numbers that fall at the very same time. And uh, in Canada, we had employment change of 41.4 thousand jobs and unemployment rate ticked down from 5.1% to 5%. So some really good jobs numbers. And just a side commentary for people maybe who are interested in the Canadian dollar, Canadian economy, there is also sort of signaling for rate hikes to be uh, sort of paused going forward as inflation has sort of uh, continued to cool at this point, coming down to uh, 4.3% annually. So some strong jobs numbers for the US and for Canada here, and an interesting development, especially following the Federal Reserve meeting here on Wednesday, where we had sort of a, a Federal Reserve uh, that was trying to hold a hawkish tone. But again, markets sort of anticipating a pause from here. So we'll have to see how that develops going into next week. Yeah, it really was an interesting jobs report, to be quite honest, because as you've just alluded to, there was all these headline beats. But the other thing which is probably going to be lesser talked about, which is also significant, though, is the revisions, because the headline number was much higher. But the, across the last two months, the revisions were around 149,000 down. So in reality, if you look at the kind of net effect of what we've seen from job creation uh, over the course of the last few months from what we've learned today, it's still getting weaker. And I think that's a really important thing. That means that the trend is that the labour market is slightly loosening if you take these revisions into consideration. That's hard to see when you then look at the unemployment number, which is 3.4%. But I do wonder whether that will start to tick higher over the next few months. And then there's the wage component. And I think this is the most disappointing aspect, I think, of that jobs report is the fact, uh, well, from the Fed's perspective, obviously from households' perspective, you want higher wages. But from the Fed's perspective, what they want to see is long-term sustainable wage growth coming in somewhere between 3 and 4% on an annualized basis. And they're really struggling to get that last percentage point or so down. And this monthly number was 0.5%. Uh, which uh, was well above the consensus of 0.3%. It could again prove to be an anomaly month and we could see the ongoing trend remain closer to that 0.3% level. But that was the most disappointing from the Fed's perspective part of the labour market report as far as I'm concerned. And the market reaction was really 
odd, if I'm perfectly honest, because equity markets seem to have responded positively to this, as if this was a really favourable report. Bond markets, especially in the initial reaction, suggest that it was unfavourable. So we saw yields actually moving higher on the back of this, potentially seeing investors pricing in less possibility of as many rate hikes this year and in in fact yields have maintained the gains which we saw in the aftermath of this report the dollar strengthened as well in the immediate aftermath of this again suggesting that traders are pricing in less chance of rate cuts and yet the equity markets were quite positive so it's, it's how do you kind of pair those two things how do you pair the different reactions that we're seeing depending on what we're talking about equity markets and bond markets and they don't always align it is worth noting that we do sometimes see different stories i always say that equity traders are eternal optimists and bond markets uh, traders are more realists and i feel like that's the type of reaction that we're seeing today yeah and to craig's point here with the equity markets rallying we're seeing the nasdaq up we're seeing the s p rally and also you know things like the uk 100 you know you've got uh, various markets rallying positively to this report here part of the other reason though is that sort of what's been taking headlines by storm is the regional banks and some of the ones that were in question for example PacWest bank actually popped up here this morning and so perhaps a little bit of that driving upward force is due to regionals uh, showing at least uh, some relief here from the absolute, you know, dropout that we've seen recently. Uh, but now maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the ECB as we've talked a lot about the Fed. What's going on with the ECB, Craig? So they're behind the curve. Uh, as they have been for the last year. It's always worth noting that the Bank of England actually started raising interest rates at the back end of 2021. The Fed joined the party very early in 2022. It was the middle towards the later part of the summer when the ECB actually started raising interest rates. So they've still got some catching up to do. So they raised by 25 basis points at the meeting yesterday and they've effectively signalled that there is a little bit more still to do. From a market's perspective, they're still pricing in a couple more rate hikes from the ECB, 25 basis points again. Uh, over the course of the upcoming meetings. Uh, they're still dealing with an inflation problem, as we all are. I mean, their inflation problem looks a lot better than the UK's inflation problem, for example. But I think we are going to see uh, a big shift there over the course of the next uh, the, the next few months. We actually had inflation data from uh, the euro area earlier this week, and it just really highlighted the stubbornness uh, with, with the inflation numbers that we are seeing uh, still in Europe. The headline inflation was in line with expectations at 7%, the core was at 5.6%, and that's only a 0.1% drop from where it was previously, where it was at record high levels. So if you think that other countries are struggling with core sticky inflation, that's the biggest concern as far as the European Central Bank is concerned, is that they have been raising interest rates, but the stickiest component of inflation, the core numbers, is still at or near at these record high levels. So I think we are going to see one or two more rate hikes from the ECB. It is also worth remembering the worth remembering that the Fed infl- Fed interest rates are between 5 and 5.25% in the UK. It's above 4% and in the euro area it's only 3.25%. So again, not only were they late to the party, it doesn't seem like they've been in any rush either. So there's still a little bit way to go here and um uh, and I have no doubt that we're probably going to see one or two more rate hikes still to come. 
And talking of the sticky inflation uh, figures, Craig, it was interesting to read what Christine Lagarde was saying about inflation. And she said after that announcement of 25 basis points rise that some firms continue to take advantage of inflation to lift their profit margins. So the question is, I suppose, what is it going to take to stop that from happening? Because we could be in a situation where they will continue to do that and then get away with it. Yeah, margin compression is something that we've been seeing slowly in the US, for example. I mean, a lot of companies did take advantage of the events of the last two years to lift margins. Um, and I think the automotive sector actually was one area where that was really evident, particularly in the US. We saw margins grow really quite substantially, and that was contributing to a large part of the price rises that we were seeing. I think that was due to a number of different things, to be honest. And I think a large number of things actually contribute to companies widening their margins. It's not just to kind of take advantage of situations. But when we're talking about years in which price growth has been so low, if consumers are willing to pay more and we've got tight labor markets and then we've got excess savings, etc., then companies will find ways to increase their margins. Other companies find it much more difficult. The supermarkets, for example, here in the UK find it much more difficult to increase their margins because they've got competitors like Aldi and Lidl who uh, who their main selling point is we will offer the absolute lowest prices and therefore supermarkets find it that much more difficult and will continue to find it much more difficult. But I think as we start to continue to move our way through the latter part of this kind of lagged pandemic effect and supply chains have improved considerably over the course of the last year or so as we continue to see those improvements and those mar margins will be compressed as these economies continue to fall in towards recession or towards zero growth we will see those margins compressed households have a limited supply of money we're in a cost of living crisis there's going to come a point when people start saying no to price rises and when that happens then the companies will have no choice but to compress those margins and that will have a dampening effect on inflation but at this point in time those higher margins are giving central banks an additional uh, inflation headache. So now turning our attention to next week, of course, today is Friday, markets are closing up and we wanna wish everybody a happy weekend. But looking on to next week to prepare you, we've got a couple things that you should be paying attention to. Monday and Tuesday, sort of a slow start to the week, but things pick up pretty quickly on Wednesday where we have US CPI, of course, in a very important number uh, in terms of inflation. This is sort of a, a lagging inflation figure, but it's still something that takes market headlines by storm. The Federal Reserve pays attention to it and so, the market tends to as well. On Thursday, we have UK bank rate numbers coming out here, and the forecast is another 25 basis point rate hike, which will bring it up to 4.5%. PPI also follows that on Thursday. We have US unemployment claims as well, so Thursday should be a pretty active day. And to end the week on Friday, we have UK GDP to follow. So that is a pretty busy week just to follow this very busy week. And uh, of course, we'll be here to cover it all along the way. Of course, you missed the big story that it's the coronation here in the UK this weekend, Nick. And we get yet another day off on Monday. That's two in a row. How could I forget? As if May wasn't already fun enough with two bank holidays, we get a third. It's a hard life. <laughs> anyway, I wish uh, the both of you have a great weekend. We'll, we'll enjoy our long weekend and we'll speak to you again next week. Cheers. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.